Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Welcome into the show. It's going to be a fun one this week. We're hitting all kinds of topics. Uh, including John's latest mock draft for the Broncos Wire. And, John, you got to make an extra pick too, right? Nine picks instead of eight, so that's fun with, with your mock. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. That was a <laughs> big old surprise. Like, the NFL themselves had it wrong. And George Payton had been saying for a couple weeks they had nine picks. And I had just been thinking, oh, he must be just misspeaking. He must just not realize they have eight. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that was kind of a silly assumption because he's so – uh, a studious and obsessed with the draft and yeah. apparently whatever the terms were for this conditional seventh round pick from the lions the broncos they did meet those terms so they got the lions seventh round pick and just a couple weeks ago the lions gm was saying they still had that pick so the lions and the nfl were both not on the right page and i guess the broncos went to him and were like hey you know that pick is ours right and the nfl looked into it and were like yep that pick is yours so that's a bummer for the Lions, but it's nice for the Broncos. Now they got nine picks. Peyton likes to have ten, so they're just one away from what he wants. <laughs> All right, well, maybe he'll trade back or something. I don't know. He's got. <laughs> oh, I think they're trading back multiple times. Yeah. We can jump into that a little later. but Yeah, we will. We'll get into the draft. We're going to do a lot of draft talk. We're going to go through John's seven-round mock for the Broncos, including all nine selections. Uh, and then what might happen here and all the latest around that team. We're going to do that a little bit later in the show, but, John, we haven't. We haven't been going week to week here, so I, I thought, you know, let's first kind of cover some key Broncos topics since we talked last, uh, and, and let's start off the top here with the latest on the sale of the team. This is this is kind of a fascinating topic. I think a lot of fans are kind of hoping, for, you know, Peyton Manning will be involved in some form or fashion, but you sent me your, your latest takes on this. You said the Denver Broncos brought to you by Walmart. Walmart, the son of Walmart's late founder. Rob Walton. So he is now the favorite to buy the Broncos. Your thoughts? Yeah, he. my initial thought is if he wants them, he's got them. Because it, Forbes estimates, he's and it fluctuates. Because <laughs> it's it's real time, but Forbes estimates that his net worth is $70 billion. And like that will go up and down, even a couple billion, because it's in like Walmart shares. A lot of it is. So right around that, and the other people that we know about, that are interested in buying the team, their net worths are around like seven billion. And the Broncos are expected to go for more than four billion. So other people like they would need because net worth's not just straight up cash. And even if it was straight up cash, it would be them doing more than half of their money to buy a single team. So he's clearly the favorite because if he wants them, he's gonna get them because he will be able to outbid anyone and the trust they've been tasked with getting the highest bid. So Pat Bolin's children get the most money from the sale of the team. So if he wants to outbid everyone, he can. And uh, I've seen a lot of negative reactions to it from fans. And I want to push back on it a little bit, not necessarily to like come to Rob Walton's defense, but more so to be like the fans, like, what did you expect? Like we're talking about, billionaires here at like the kind of people that have the money for the, I think like you mentioned Peyton Manning I think that's part of it like I think some fans just aren't thinking 
how much money we're talking about. Like Manning could not have bought the team on his own. And it is a bummer that if Walton buys them himself, he's not going to need minority owner. And so then Manning might not be coming in under the minority ownership. So it is a bummer that Manning might be not involved in that respect. But I still think Manning will be around the team if they want to. They could even make him like an executive or something. So I don't think just even if Manning's not an official minority owner, I don't think he's going anywhere. So I wouldn't be too, too, too bummed about the Manning aspect of it. And back to like the billionaire aspect of it. I just think if you like, if you find a billionaire, the chances of them being like generally well loved by the general public, I think it's kind of slim. Like it's just billionaires are what we're working with here. And I know some people like they don't want to be associated with Walmart because it's kind of viewed as like cheapness and they've had a history of not always treating their employees that well. So I get people that don't love that. But again, I'm just like, we're talking about billionaires. Like you're not going to find someone that's universally loved. And with Walton, I do think it is nice that he doesn't now, but at a time he did live in Colorado and in high school, he played football In college, he played football. So I do like that aspect of it. And another aspect I like, uh, like completely hypothetical, but like his his cousin is married to the Rams owner, Stan Kroenke. And Kroenke built this super Rams stadium, more than like five billion dollars. And it was all privately funded. He got loans. He got loans like from the NFL. They do that for every NFL team that build the stadium and he I'm sure he got loans from banks and stuff but he didn't go to Los Angeles he didn't go to California he didn't ask task taxpayers to foot the bill like so many NFL teams when they build a stadium they do it with taxpayer money or at least a bulk yeah. of it and the Buffalo. Rams Buffalo probably yeah, doing that yeah exactly yep. the bills are doing it right now and so Stan Cronky his cousin by marriage he did not do that and that doesn't mean Rob Walton wouldn't do it but just the fact that the family's already build a stadium on their own. And just the fact that Walton could easily, easily afford to build a stadium on his own. I feel like that's a good sign. And again, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it makes me a little hopeful that, Hey, if he gets it and the Broncos want to build this mega super stadium, he could do it. And hopefully they wouldn't, I mean, they sure wouldn't need taxpayer money. Hopefully they wouldn't try to get it from them. So I like that aspect, but it's, he's not a perfect candidate, obviously for some of the reasons I mentioned and another initial thing that I didn't love, I was like, he's 77 years old and not to be, uh, I, I, what's ageist. the word I'm looking ageist. for? Yeah. Not to be like ageist, but we don't want a situation where like Pat Bowlen, as he was getting older and his health was declining, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to run the team forever. So he put the trust and control of the team and said, you know, when I pass away, if one of my children is qualified, give them control of the team. And if they're not qualified, sell the team. And then the trust is like, well, this child might become qualified, but she's not yet. So we got to wait a while. And then another child is like, hey, I'm qualified now. And they're like, no, you're not. And then they go to court and there's lawsuits. And then all the kids can't agree on one controlling owner. So it we just should. creates a mess. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's the last thing the Broncos want is another aging older who honestly, like nobody lives forever. So he's not going to be around forever. But one positive thing about that is Sportico reported that uh, his son-in-law, who's 52, is apparently going in on the bid with him. And I was like, okay, well, that seems like a good sign again, because I assume if his son-in-law is going in on the bid on him, 
it would be kind of a thing like Rob Walton would be, okay, I'm the controlling owner. He is the designated person to take over when I, you know, step down or pass away, whatever it may be. I, I just hope that if they have a 77 year old owner, they got to have a clear plan step by step and process. You know, the next owner is going to be this because, you know, the last thing we want to do is have this. Uh, we're in an ownership mess right now because I, I don't think it was set up really well yes. the last time around. So I just I would just want to avoid that. And hopefully, hopefully they would with his son-in-law. So I, I don't know. I have some mixed thoughts on it, but I don't think it's like the end of the world. Like some fans think. I, I just think, you know, this is the situation you are dealing with when you're selling a team for four billion dollars plus. Yeah, I agree with you. Like find me there's not a lot of likable billionaires out there uh you know that i don't don't think likability and being able to relate to those people it comes naturally to to us <laughs> so uh <laughs> i get that that's a good point yeah i don't i have not done my homework on rob walton i, I gotta be honest john i'm just reacting here as a fan um a fan of football uh it, it does sound like how a lot of nfl franchises get passed down from rich parents right because walton is the son of the founder of walmart so Walton has $70 billion to his name because of his dad. <laughs> like, I don't know how smart he is if he's a, if he's a multi-billionaire because he's a great businessman or if it's because of his dad. Uh, so if, it almost feels like the same nepotism that happens across the league all the time. Like just, you know, ownership getting passed down to kids who have no idea what they're doing. Uh, so, I mean, he's got a crap ton of money. Does that make him a great fit for the Broncos or for the NFL? I, I, I have no idea, right? So... On that part, I understand why some fans might be like leery because personally, I'm I'm a little leery myself. Like it, uh, it is a little sketchy when you read that he's the son of Walmart's late founder, uh, and he's worth an estimated seventy billion. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> like that's nice. <laughs> like, hey, if if I was the son of a rich dude, I would buy the Broncos too, you know. So I can understand, you know, why you get some hesitation there from fans. Well, yeah, I mean, he definitely owes a lot of his wealth to his dad but he also he is a businessman himself for many years he I'm was sure. running yeah. walmart and he just uh kind of retired from it a few years ago so he's he's been in the business he has plenty of business experience and he has plenty of money handling experience but i i get what you're saying like the egg was there from his dad who got the ball rolling he's not built from the ground up by any means but you know he does have a, a track record at least of business and i would hope that someone like him, you know, when you have that many, uh, uh, when you a uh, company that big, and I'm sure he's involved in other kind of investments, like you got to delegate and you got to put, you know, smart people in charge of the different elements of it. So I would hope that he would come into the Broncos. And even though he played football when he was younger, like he, like I mentioned, I'm sure he's like, he doesn't know the ins and outs of running NFL team. So I would hope that, you know, he would like empower people, you know, like George Payton and the coaches and stuff be like, hey, you're the football people. You're in place because you're smart, smart football people. I'll let you run the football side and I'll give you the money. I'll give you the resources that you need. I would hope that he would be a little hands off and not meddle with things because I completely get what you're saying. If he does meddle with things without being qualified for it, that could obviously be a mess. Yeah. Yeah, the and you know, but that's what we're used to with the Denver Broncos, right? Just a leap show with the ownership. <laughs> so, so that is fascinating. We'll be tracking that story as we go. Rob Walton uh, is now considered the favorite to buy the Broncos. Interesting stuff there. Um, when we're looking at the Broncos draft needs, John, there's a couple of names that we've been watching: uh, running back, 
You know, it's more of a need if they don't bring back Melvin Gordon, right? Uh, safety was more of a need if they didn't bring back Kareem Jackson. Uh, Jackson, they have brought back, right? Very team-friendly deal, one-year deal, low-risk, high-reward type of contract. Keeps Kareem Jackson with the uh, Broncos, keeps them in a great spot at safety. So how are you feeling about Jackson being back and Melvin Gordon still remaining unsigned uh, and, and guys like this, some of the moves the Broncos have made as of late? Yeah, I thought it was really nice that they signed Jackson because I, I think he's going to start the year as the safety next to Justin Simmons, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give him like a little bit of a hybrid role and start to make him like a little bit more of a linebacker and kind of make him rotate a little bit. Because I bet by midseason and the end of the year, they're going to want to get Caden Stearns more and more playing time. Like I think Stearns is still viewed as a long-term guy because Jackson, he's like, 33 34 he's not a long-term guy but it's it's so nice to have his leadership and experience and just to have him as another option on the field and i feel like now they don't have to draft a safety at all like they could draft a safety they might but i'm sure not going into it like we got to get another safety like if they don't draft a safety i think they're fine at that spot so i thought that was really nice and like you said it was a team-friendly deal it's like around two million so they can easily afford that and then with melvin gordon Pro Football Talk reported that his market is believed to be like two and a half million on a one-year deal. And just on the surface, I would be like, yeah, I would I would definitely sign him. Like he's a capable, quality, good running back for two and a half million. I would not be mad about signing him to a deal like that. But at the same time, we've kind of talked about this on past podcasts. You can draft a running back, at like a really good one in like the second or third round and have them for four years and pay them less than two and a half million a year and they're way younger. So, you know, if you like them, you could even give them an extension. So I think they're much more likely to draft a running back than to re-sign Gordon. And I I think that's also the smart play as well, just because you're going to get someone that's cheaper. You're going to get someone that's younger and, you know, you can just kind of move on from the Gordon fumble experience, not, not to completely, dump on him no 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 john don't qualify yourself that's fine to say it's okay to say that he is a good back and you know he did good stuff for the broncos but you know it comes a time we're going to get a young well i say we're going to i assume they're going to get a younger cheaper option and that's just that's just smart football and i i do think i don't think they're re-signing gordon but i do think after the draft they might get a budget free agent uh, signing here or there after the draft leading into training camp, like Kyle Rudolph, a veteran tight end, they worked him out a couple weeks ago. And I wouldn't be surprised, even if they draft a tight end, I would not be surprised if they get uh, Rudolph on like a veteran cheap one-year deal just to add some depth and experience to the tight end room. Because like I said, even if they draft a tight end, it's going to be such a young room. Like Albert O, he's going to be the the leading uh, receiving option, but he's still, you know, just entering like his third year in the NFL. So you want to have some more experience there. And Rudolph's the kind of guy that could provide that. So I think he's a name to keep an eye on. Yeah. You know, tight end running back. We might be teasing John's mock draft here coming up here in just a second. But our last topic that we wanted to hit before we get into John's mock draft and just the draft preview in general is uh, Russell Wilson. You know, uh, just I, I think you've probably you've made it a point on Twitter, John, to just remind Broncos fans that Russell Wilson is a Bronco, right? You've that's kind of something you've done daily. Don't you apologize when you forget to tweet it? Like quickly, you you say, "Sorry, guys, I almost forgot to tweet." Russell Wilson's a Bronco. 
What's yeah. going on with Russell Wilson? What 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 fired you up this time? Yeah, I just it's just another example of his leadership that just it's it's not like a huge thing, but it's just nice to see happening. The the Broncos they started up phase one of their offseason program. And in phase one, the team they can have like team meetings and players can do like physical training and like rehab if they're injured, but that's it. Like the coaches can't take them out on the field and like coach them, give them plays and stuff. The coaches can't do that. But when the Broncos started their offseason program, their website was posting pictures of players out on the field running routes and catching passes from Wilson. And I was like, wait a second, this is phase one, right? And But if you look at the pictures, there's no coaches there. So like under the CBA, they can't force the players to practice and like the player or the coaches can't be out there coaching them, but they're also not going to stop the players if they just want to do it on their own. And the, the Broncos players, they're just doing it on their own. They're just doing unofficial practices with Russell Wilson running them. And it's just, it's kind of like a little thing, but it's just some, it's another thing that's like, man, you really like that. And I keep going back to it on all our podcasts. It's just another thing that reminds me of like the Peyton Manning era when he would take his receivers out to Duke and have them run routes. And, you know, even in the spring, just like Wilson right now, he's working with them. And like, they're not obligated to do that. Like the, the team can't make them do it, but if they want to do it on their own time, they're more than welcome to. And Wilson, he's shown leadership and on their own time, they're getting working. It's, it's just nice to see. Yeah, he's a football psychopath, which is exactly what I want for my quarterback. Remember when we were debating what quarterback the Broncos would trade for. We we're going back and forth on Rogers. I was like, I'm, I'm not convinced he's a psychopath. I think he wants to he wants to host Jeopardy. I don't know. I don't know if, if Aaron Rodgers would be like, there's nothing voluntary about this. He's like, get to my house. I have a football field in my backyard. We're running routes. Let's go. So Russell Wilson, man, I love it. Uh, and, and I did see a note here, John, you sent me that Wilson's house is up for sale. So he's selling his house in Seattle uh, for twenty eight million. And he bought the house for $6.7 million. So here I am thinking I have equity in my house that I bought four <laughs> years ago, all excited about it. And no, I don't have any equity when I look at what Russell Wilson's getting for his. Holy crap. That's insane. Yep. And he's moving that's to Denver. That's great business if he manages it to sell it at that number. And he also bought a real nice house in the Denver area for yeah. $25 million. It, it better was be the nice. most expensive. <laughs> and it, if he gets the price that he's asking for in Seattle, he's going to cover all the cost of his new Denver home and have $3 million left over in his pocket. So he he's good on and off the field. Pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, man, how much you buy your new house for? Uh, $25 mil. Oh, It was pretty cheap. Got a good deal on it. Uh, so yeah, so there's the latest on Russell Wilson. And, and we're, just, we're just excited about Russell Wilson. And now we need to see you know, exactly how this team is going to look around him, John. We talked about it in our previous podcast a little bit. We kind of know the team that's going to be around him, right? It's going to, a lot of these picks here are going to be depth pieces that we're not relying too heavily on, which is great. Uh, talk to me through a little bit before we get into your uh, mock, which, you know, it's tough when you have to start a mock draft at pick number 64. I mean, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. That's not easy because it starts getting hard around that time. So I do have some, you know, I do, I do feel for you a little bit. That's, that's no easy task. A lot easier to pick number nine, which, you know, someone really smart. Might have picked it right last year, Patrick Sertan. <laughs> somebody was really somebody on this show called that. A lot easier when you're picking number nine instead of number sixty-four. So we'll get into who John predicts the Broncos could take in his mock draft at number sixty-four overall. But take me through your process a little bit when you do this for Broncos Wire. Um, how do you how do you go about it? Yeah, I just I made a 
a list of needs, what I think are the needs. And I just kind of look at some of the prospects at those positions of needs and just look at where they're projected to go in the draft. And then I just kind of piece it together. And I, I, it might be a little realistic, but I think it's kind of unrealistic because I truly think to an extent Peyton this year is going to go best player available. So I might think like, you know, they need such and such position and this guy is going to be available at their pick. So in my mock draft, I'm putting him there. But when Peyton goes on the clock, he might be like, oh, this guy's available and we didn't expect him. We'll draft him. And I could be like, oh, well, that's not a position of need. You know what I mean? So I I, I kind of look at their positions of needs and when guys could go and I use that to make a mock. But we'll see how much that turns out to be reality because I don't think the Broncos are going to be reaching for needs by any means. Well, you said you said earlier that uh, George Payton likes to have ten picks. Yeah. So what? He has nine picks, John. He doesn't think that's enough. Well, it, it could be that they make nine picks, but I know that next year they only have four or five picks. Next year, it's hard to tell on the like we just talked about at the beginning of this pod the conditional seventh round pick that they came. It's it's uncertain one of their conditional picks next year, if they have it or not. So next year they only have four or five picks and, you know, maybe nine picks would be enough, but four or five is not going to be enough. So I think, you know, when you look at like maybe the third round where they have two picks, one of those times, maybe they trade down and get a team's like fourth round pick next year. And the team also give them like a third round pick next year. Maybe that would be a little generous, but something along those lines trade down this year, get a pick this year, and also get a pick next year, I bet they're going to do that multiple times because you know he's not going to go into next year with only four or five picks. He just he loves draft picks so much. Like he said it's a goal to come out of the draft with 10 new players. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I think they're going to move down a couple times. And I think eight to 10 players this year is probably what I bet they're targeting. And in the meantime, I think they're going to be moving around to get more picks for next year. That's interesting. I got to, I got to remember that we have like, we just got Russell Wilson. It's not like he, got, he came here for free, John. We traded a million draft picks to get him. So I got to remember that, you know, I got, got to keep yeah, that in the back. No of my first head. or second next yeah. year. So tough task. When you go, th- go about a mock draft here for the Broncos, their first pick is number 64 overall. So uh, doing the math there, that means 63 players are off the board. Uh, that, Definitely changes the field a little bit, but there is a fan favorite who could be available in this spot, would fill a position of need inside linebacker, and uh, why don't you talk about him, John? He's, he's a guy who grew up in Colorado, inside linebacker Chad Muma. Do I get that? Yep. Mama? From, he, yep. Muma. He went to school. Uh, he went to play college football in Wyoming, but he grew up in Colorado, played high school football in Colorado, and uh, honestly... I did this a little bit to just please Broncos fans. Like, (laughs) I think if he's there, he'd be a good pick for the Broncos. And I do think they could take him. But I put him in the mock in in part just because everybody loves him. And I think it's it's in part because he's the local guy, kind of like Trey McBride. He's a tight end from Colorado State. It's the same thing. Like, Broncos fans are all googly eyes about him. And I wouldn't be mad about drafting him. I just don't think he's like a can't miss prospect. Like I would rather take him in the third round than the second round. Uh, but again, I it's, it's kind of like the Philip Lindsay thing all over again. When you're a lo- local guy, people love that. And I get it. And it, it also helps that he is a good linebacker. You know, he scored a couple of defensive touchdowns last year. He grabbed a couple interceptions, got a couple sacks and he just piled up tackles. And I think with Josie Jewell, 
I, he's fine this year. Maybe even next year he's going to be a starter for them, but he's not a long-term solution. Uh, going forward, I think they could maybe upgrade him, and Muma could be a potential upgrade for him. And also, like, I wouldn't think inside linebacker is a huge need if Baron Browning and Josie Jewell are the two guys, but apparently they're going to give Browning some time at outside linebacker this spring. And I have a feeling they kind of want to make him or at least test out the possibility of him kind of be like a hybrid position, kind of like Micah Parsons, not to say that he would play to the level of Micah Parsons, but just someone that kind of rushes off the edge, but is also moving inside to being an inside linebacker, kind of going back and forth. So with Browning's positioning being kind of fluid, I think linebacker is more of a need and Muma is someone that might be there at the bottom of the second. So that's who I have him taking at 64. Yeah, I like the pick. I also like McBride. I do like him. Um, he was getting like it sounded like he was gonna. He, his stock has kind of dropped a little bit, John. It sounded like he was gonna be maybe, you know, a second round pick or late first or something. But it doesn't sound like he's gonna be anywhere as close to the first round now. Uh, McBride, the tight end, but uh, getting Russell Wilson, you know, some weapons at the tight end position definitely makes sense. I think you picked up a tight end later in your mock. Uh, it's fascinating though at sixty four, like. What? Where will the Broncos go with that pick? Could they go defense? Could they go offense? Right? Um, could they go tight end? Uh, could they look for maybe a right tackle in in that spot? It's fascinating because, like we said earlier, they don't have they they could just sit there and go with whoever's highest on yep, the board. Just right? let it fall yeah. to them. And if their boards like if they like their board a lot, they could say let's trade back. So uh, a lot of options there. Chad Muma, I like I like the pick. Um, and if the fans like it, then great great that they won't they won't say mean things to you on uh, on twitter john so that's good uh you do go after an offensive tackle with your first pick number 75 overall in the third round abraham lucas out of washington state uh what'd you like about the fit there yeah i i just again think it's a position of need and he's one of the top guys available and he's someone that realistically could be there in the third round so i i just think billy turner again kind of like with josie jewell Billy Turner, he's a perfectly serviceable starter. He will start this year more than likely. And if they give him an extension, he might even be back next year. But just they've been putting off having like in 2017, I think it was, they drafted Garrett Bowles and he started out pretty rough. But now he's a perfectly competent left tackle. And in the time since then, they've just doing short term patch jobs at right tackle like Billy Turner. Once again, he's another short term fix. And like he's a fine tackle, but. I want to get someone in there like Bowles that we can be like, okay, for the next five years, or if he's pretty good, even longer than that, we can count on this guy to be our right tackle. So he's someone that I think could fill that role. And I, I, again, this is me kind of reacting to what I think the needs are, but I think it would be nice if they get a tackle with one of their early, early picks. So that's why I have them going Lucas with their third and their initial third round pick. You can't have too many young upside tackles. I promise yep. you that. Um, but, you know, John was kind of getting a little wild. Wyoming, Washington State. Like, what's going on here, John? So in, with number 96, you, you got to business. You went and found Georgia, of course. You got to go to Georgia, the national champs, right? You had the big-name school. Uh, getting James Cook a running back. He was, your, he was mocked. He was in your mock draft, number 96 overall. And this kind of goes back to that conversation surrounding Melvin Gordon. I mean, that contract, that, you know, that market for him, Two two and a half million on a one year deal seems 
seems fine. Like seems fine. Like I don't know if they pro- if they ended up bringing back Melvin Gordon. If they don't draft a running back and they bring back Melvin Gordon at that number, it's like okay, fine. Like it's you're not overpaying for him. I mean, yeah, you know, yep. considering what they paid him last year, I mean, it's not even close. So I mean, that is the kind of pay decrease that we we were talking about last year. But why not draft a running back in the third or fourth round, like a James Cook, uh, and just like you said. You got him under a rookie contract. You're paying him less than what you would be paying Melvin Gordon to come back for one year. You can develop him behind Javante Williams. Like it makes all the sense in the world to target a running back in this kind of area of the draft. I love it. And I do think the Broncos will target a running back in this area because uh, George Payton, when he was with the Vikings, they drafted a running back just about every other year, including drafting Dalvin Cook, who is James' older brother. They a- drafted him in the second round. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's going to go on to become the next Dalvin Cook, but you can get a really good running back in the second round. They did it last year with Javante Williams. Yep. And we saw how nice of a combo it was, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon together. And like we've talked about before, the Packers, you know, they have AJ, uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones together. Like they're they're not content to just have real one real good running back. Like I love Javante Williams and he could carry the load by himself and fantasy managers would love that, but they don't want to run him into the ground. So they want another really good promising young running back and cook could be that guy. I, I like him just fine. I, and like you said, he played for Georgia, same school, Terrell Davis. So there's the nice history there. He's Dalvin cook's younger brother. So you would think that's a good sign. And with just with the Broncos, or at least George Payton's history of drafting running backs, I think it's pretty likely that they're going to get one relatively early. Now, when you were working through your mock draft, John, through the mid to late rounds, um, what stood out to you as you were kind of looking for players to to mock? I mean, you kind of you you do a nice job, you know, getting some offense and some defense tight end. You went and snagged a tight end in the fourth round, and you paired that with an offensive. Uh, I'm sorry, an outside linebacker. They're right, you know, back to back picks in the fourth round. So you went tight end, all, uh, outside linebacker. It makes a lot of sense. Defensive line, I think, you know, no one would be surprised if the Broncos went out and found a defensive lineman. You mocked them one in the, uh, the fifth round. Cornerback depth in the sixth. Um, and then you got real cute in the seventh round and got a punter, which I, <laughs> which I thought was fun. But so, you know, when you were working through your mid to late rounds, kind of round that part up for me. Like, uh, what stood out to you? Yeah, I, I kind of put off those two positions you mentioned, just their defensive line and cornerback. Corner particularly, I don't think they're going to wait that late. It was just I was kind of patching up other holes. Again, I'm, I'm going on needs, which they won't necessarily do. Right. But that's what I was doing. I was kind of putting off corner. But I don't think they're going to put off corner, and I don't think they're going to put off defensive line. And again, it could be a situation where they trade down with like those two third-round picks Maybe they even trade down from both of them and, you know, pile up a couple of fourth round picks. And then the fourth round, you can address multiple positions instead of just address two positions in the third. So I think they're going to move around. And I think they're probably going to as I was picking, you know, I went inside linebacker and right tackle and running back with the first three picks. And I like that. But then I was like, man, there's not really an elite edge rusher left. There's not really an elite uh, defensive lineman left so that made me think like maybe this is not a completely realistic strategy because I didn't love the the options that were left on the defensive line or at pass rusher or at corner so I kind of put off those positions and I don't think on draft day the Den- uh, the Broncos will put them off as long as I did well it's it's fun when you're playing with a mock draft even if you jump into a simulator or something 
I mean, the whole thing changes based on how you start it, right? So yep, the entire yep. thing changes. So if you went with a different player at 64 instead of Muma, like say you went with McBride at the tight end there instead. I mean, that just changes the whole freaking thing. So yep. uh, that's why mock drafts are, are kind of fun, but they're also you know kind of useless too, right? Kind of crazy. <laughs> kind of crazy. Uh, we really don't know. We really don't know. But it's going to be a different... It's going to be a different draft, right? I'm a little bummed that the Broncos didn't have a pick on day one. Now I'm excited that we have Russell Wilson. Just got to keep telling myself that. But Thursday's going to be a little bit of a bummer, right? Because last year was so fun, right? Those, the, those yeah. first 10, 12 picks last year were so fun with the yeah, Broncos. Yeah, having right an early them. pick totally changes the dynamic. Yeah. A, a top 10 pick, like you said, we, we could predict like these couple of guys are probably going to be there at nine. And you you nailed it last year with Pat Sertan. Like you've been saying, we're not going to be able to predict, okay, we know these, you know, like four or five guys will be there at 64. You just, that's just too deep down the draft. We just don't know who's going to be available. And I will be curious to see what the Seahawks do at number nine. If they take, you know, will they take like a Kenny Pickett or will they take like a Malik Willis? And if they take him at number nine and the Broncos have Malik Willis, or excuse me, if the Broncos have Russell Wilson, not that the Broncos would have necessarily drafted Willis or Pickett, but they might have. And I'm just going to be like, you know, it's nice to have early round picks, but I'm so glad they have Russell Wilson and I would do that trade again any day. Yeah, it's, it's sorry for those wanting me to try to go for two for two. Not happening. I'm, I'm retiring on top, John. I'm not trying to figure <laughs> out who they pick at 64. When they have a first-round pick again, yeah. you can go back to predicting. You kidding me, 64? No way. I can't get that right. No, number nine, you know, it was like you know, there was a small window of players that it could have been, right? Number 64, forget it. I'm not that smart. So, yeah. no, no, I'm retiring on top, and I don't want to hear it. If you want to yell at me on Twitter, at Ryan O'Leary, go ahead. But no, you're not getting a prediction out of me. Chad Muma, that's my prediction. For the Broncos <laughs> well, I, I'm actually, Ryan, I'm going to do another mock. I'd like to usually do one and final mock really close to the draft. Yeah. But this year I wanted to get this mock up in part so we could talk about it on the podcast. But I think I did a little too early because already I just published it a few days ago. And already I'm looking at it. I'm like, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. So I'm going to do another one right up before the draft. But Go check out the one that's on Broncos Wire right now. It's it's a seven-round mock, and then come back near draft. Well, actually, come back to Broncos Wire every day because we're having a lot of draft coverage leading up to it. And check us out during the draft. And it's still going to be a fun draft. Even without a first-round pick, the Broncos are going to add a lot of really good talent. Always good stuff from John Heath. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Enjoy the draft. We'll be back afterwards to break it all down. Catch you all then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.